Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis Classics. I'm Gil Gross, here to break down the 2012 Australian Open Final between Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic. You ask, I deliver. This was the overwhelming favorite. Whenever I posed the question, what matches do you want me to go over? I did it on my last video uh, with, uh, with Steve Flink in the comment section. I also did it on Twitter a while back. This is the match that people really want to see. So uh, here I am. I remember it as the best match, or I had remembered it, uh, as the really the best match that I have ever seen. So in my era, this is the best match that I've ever seen. So it was a pleasure to go back and watch. I gotta say, you know, it's close to close to six hours. That's how long this match was. It's the, the longest final in open era history. And it never really dragged. It, it never felt like a slog. Didn't always feel close. It didn't always feel like it was going to be a close to six hour match. And we'll get into that. Uh, this, was, uh, this was a real, real gem of a match. Okay, so without further ado, quick background and then we'll get into it. Djokovic... I think the most important piece of context here for this match is that Djokovic was 6-0 against Rafa Nadal in 2011. So Djokovic beat Nadal in the Wimbledon final, took his number one ranking, then went to New York, beat him in the final again. And, you know, in, in the end there, in the fourth set, it, it wasn't even close. I think it was 6-1 um, in the fourth set of the U.S. Open final. But 6-0, and oh, he beat him in, um, all of them were finals, all six. Djokovic beat him in the Miami final, in the Indian Wells final, got him on clay before the French Open. So this was this unprecedented run by Djokovic. No one, including Federer, had ever done this to, to, uh, to Rafael Nadal, winning six times in a row like this. Uh, now, in terms of the tournament... Both players, the top four seeds, made the semifinals. Nadal played Federer. He won in four sets. Djokovic played Murray. Andy Murray, at this point, had taken a huge leap. He was he was really good in 2012. Um, and Djokovic took five sets to beat Andy Murray. 7-5 in the fifth. Four hours, 50 minutes. Now, Nadal had two days to prepare for the final because the Australian Open, they don't play both semifinals on the same day. So Nadal had two days and Djokovic had one day. So Djokovic played the more physical semifinal and he also um, played the, uh, or, or had less rest to prepare for the final. A lot of people were talking about that coming in. So Djokovic had Nadal's number. Nadal all summer, I'm sure, was was thinking about what he needed to change in his game to beat Djokovic, and we'll get into that. And that sets the context for this final. Djokovic for his fifth slam, Rafa for his 11th. Let's get into it. So, in the first set, um, a couple of storylines. One, you see Nadal serving big. And this was one of the areas that he knew he had to improve, he had to change against Djokovic. He just 
could not continue to roll his serve in like he did for much of 2011. What what happened, I, I believe, is that he served really big at the 2010 U.S. Open, hurt himself, and in 2011, he went back to really rolling his serve in and had, had a good year in 2011, but could not beat Djokovic, was not getting any advantage off of his serve. So immediately, he's hitting his serve a lot bigger, trying to get up around 120, where you know where where he can hang around that 120 mark when he really tries when he goes after it. So Nadal is immediately doing that. He realizes that he can't outgrind Djokovic anymore. Um, to all, Deuce was the first animalistic rally of the match, and there will be plenty more of those. But these long, brutal rallies that really test each player's shot tolerance and endurance. To all at Deuce. Was, uh, was the first one of those, and Nadal ends up winning that point um, to, get to, to get himself a break point. Break point number two for Djokovic, an easy backhand in the midcourt that, that Novak uh, missed. Uh, so the first break goes to Nadal, but Djokovic breaks back at 4-3. He picked on Nadal's backhand in that game a few times. Nadal dumped a forehand into the net on break point. That brings us to four all in the first set. It felt at this point like Nadal was the more solid player. Djokovic was having trouble. This was Novak's probably his worst set in terms of level. The court seemed to be playing slow, and Djokovic just didn't... His forehand kept flying long on him. It seemed like he was having trouble hitting through the court, hitting Nadal. He's so fast, and for some reason, the court, to the naked eye, was playing slower in the first set than it did to the rest of the match. That might have been because Djokovic had trouble just getting his getting his body loose, where he was uh, not hitting as clean, not hitting as big, and that made the court look slower. Whatever it was, as hard as Djokovic, uh, Djokovic ended up overhitting on a lot of forehands and made a lot of unforced errors in this set. And it seemed like the reason for that was Nadal's speed and Djokovic unable to hit through the court. Uh, another key is, is, uh, is Nadal's forehand. And it's particularly his ability to, one, go down the line as soon as possible, and two, hit his inside-out forehand, which was his most important shot throughout this match. That's the shot that he feels most comfortable flattening it out, and he naturally hits through it. Um, so one of the major keys is Nadal's footwork, his ability to run around that backhand, hit the inside-out forehand when Djokovic goes high loopy to the Nadal backhand. In 2011, Djokovic had a lot of luck pushing Nadal back into that backhand corner with the with the high loopy forehand cross court when he's defending. So look, he tries to do it here, but Nadal cheats to his left, takes the ball on the rise, high, inside out, and that's a winner. Look at this look at this chart here. All of Nadal's winners in the first set, pretty much with the exception of uh one, is to Nadal is to Djokovic's forehand side because the two shots that are working for him is his down-the-line forehand and his inside-out forehand. Um, Nadal's forehand was a lot better than Djokovic's forehand in this set, and Nadal served well, um, which we'll get into a little bit more. Uh, so, at 6-5, Nadal gets to 40-15 with some 
Oh, you know what? I, I Let me go back a sec to 5-all. At 5-all, some longer rallies go to Nadal. Um, he's using the slice backhand uh, really effectively, and I want to show you this pattern. Um, and then at the end, Nadal misses the same midcourt backhand down the line that he surrendered the first break with. But I want to show you this, this pattern here, um, Nadal using the slice, okay? And I've, I know I've pointed this out before, Federer does it really well, but if you, if you give Nadal a lot, or excuse me, if you give Djokovic a lot of pace to his backhand, you let him hit on the rise, you let him redirect your pace, he's basically hitting lasers at you and giving you no time. If you slice it low to Djokovic's backhand and make Novak create all the pace, you're going to get a more hittable ball. So when Nadal uses this slice down the line um, to Djokovic's backhand here, he's going to get a hittable ball. Now he can rip the forehand down the line. And Nadal is constantly trying to be aggressive throughout this site, throughout this set fighting against his instinct. I cannot grind out Djokovic. I cannot grind out Djokovic. And that is evident in the way he's going after his forehand and going after his serve. Um, so he gets the break at 5-all. Then at 6-5, 40-15, beautiful, aggressive play. And then when he gets up, up to 40-15, he goes back to his instinct. And he lays two serves in the box. He's not aggressive with his serve. And Djokovic just, he, he punishes two returns. Puts him right on the baseline. Follows it up with aggressive play. Back to deuce. And then it's almost like Nadal snaps back into the aggression. <laughs> and for the final two points, Nadal hits a great cross-court backhand and a body serve service winner. First set, Nadal, 7-5. It took an hour, 20 minutes. It was pretty competitive, uh, it was the scratchiest set of all of them. The, both players, Nadal and Djokovic, made a lot of errors. I think it was better for Nadal to make errors because he was going, he was playing offensive like he needed to. But 19 unforced errors by Djokovic. That's too many. That's way too many for him. The body serve worked really well for Nadal, is the last point I want to make about this, this set. Both on the ad side and the deuce side. That's one of the things that's going to change about this match. Um, the, the body serve was actually his... Um, the, the body serve on the deuce side, if you look at the stats from the Tennis Abstract Match Charting Project, was actually his best serve all match. Um, and it was really good in the first set. Same with the ad side. That changes. For the rest of the match after, this, after the first set... The body serve on the ad side is a complete and total utter disaster serve for Nadal. I think he it works maybe twice for the rest of the match, and he keeps going to it a fair amount. But Djokovic would just slide out of the way and 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 hit and find forehands, and it was a disastrous serve. So that body serve stops working. And Nadal only wins 47% of points when he goes to the body serve on the ad side for the match. I can't go set by set. Mind you, I think it was a lot higher in the first set. So you can imagine how ineffective that serve became. That's one thing that changes about this match. Um, okay, in the second set, 
you know, I start to notice a pattern, one pattern with Nadal. And um, one of the things I'd like to point out is about the slice because I want to be balanced here. And I just showed you a point where how sometimes Nadal can use it to his, to his advantage. But for the most part, Nadal's slicing was not good in this match. And early in the second set, I made a note to myself that Nadal has this really awful kind of floating slice. Sometimes it just doesn't come off his racket correctly. Uh, this is one of those, this is one of those uh, examples, second point of the second set, where he just floats the slice midcourt and Djokovic is easily able to make a forehand out of it and hit it inside out. Um, so for the most part, Nadal was, uh, Nadal going to the backhand slice was not a good thing. In fact, when, um, in points that Nadal sliced his backhand, he won 54 of them. He lost 74 of them, which is, you know, you're generally, that's generally going to be below 500 because sometimes you slice for defense, but not that below 50%. So it was really not a good play for Nadal. If you're going to ask me, oh, Gil, you were watching Rafa in 2012. What's the main thing he improved? The first thing I'll tell you, his backhand slice is way better now. And it really hurt him in this match at times. Um, so at love one, Nadal saves a couple break points. He hits two aces, uh, some really high quality rallies. Uh, Nadal is, you know... He's right now things are under control, but at, at one two Djokovic breaks. Djokovic hits some really hard returns right through the middle of the court that rush Nadal into forehand errors. From this point on, that becomes a theme, and for some reason Nadal's serve just kind of escapes him, and he no longer goes after it for a really long time now until the fifth set. Nadal doesn't really go after his serve. Um, 30-40, Djokovic hits the tape on his approach, makes a great deep low volley, and there's the break. After that break, 1-3, second set, the scratchy Djokovic, I mentioned that he was, the forehand was flying and he was making a lot of unforced errors, that Djokovic is suddenly nowhere to be seen. And just like that, it looks like their U.S. Open match from 2011 suddenly, where Nadal is doing all the running. And Djokovic has the big three, the big three from the baseline. He's taking the ball earlier, he's hitting it deeper, and he's changing direction more often. These are the three things that Nadal, uh, Djokovic, sorry, can rely on from the baseline. Deeper, big, bigger, uh, or earlier, deeper, and changing direction more. Those three. And when all three are working in Djokovic's direction, he is running Nadal rabid in the baseline rallies. So Djokovic's level becomes insane in the second set. And I'm wondering, wow, is, is Novak's level going to drop or is Nadal's level going to rise? Because from what I was seeing, there's no way Nadal can play the level that Djokovic was playing in the second set. The returning is, is crazy. And Djokovic isn't playing incredibly clean, but all of the offense that we saw from Nadal in the first set has completely vanished, which is a terrible sign. And the entire match begins to be played on Djokovic's racket. 
every Nadal service game is difficult. Every Sometimes Djokovic service games are easy, and sometimes he needs to work harder, but that's natural when you're playing a great returner like Nadal. Uh, so Djokovic serves for the set at 5-3, and Djokovic, uh, Djokovic serves for the set at 5-3. Nadal actually breaks him back. Novak makes a loose error at 30-15, and then Nadal hits two really good counter forehand down the lines. Um, and it gives him his first break point of the set. So Djokovic was just cruising in the set, and Nadal suddenly gets that break. Djokovic double faults um, to give Nadal a break. Djokovic did not play break points well on his serve up until this point. Uh, the 4-5 game, Nadal serving in the second set I want to show you. Because this is a point, this is an example of Djokovic's return completely taking over. No questions asked. Nadal has no chance. The return is too good. He was going to get broken here. Or he, or he needed to hit his second serve bigger. The montage I'm about to show you are all second serve returns. Mind you, when Nadal got his first serve in, in this game, he actually won every point except one. But here's 15 love. Nadal shanks this forehand. He's rushed. Here's 15 all. Nadal doesn't get this back. It's a forehand return cross court off the second serve from Djokovic. Here is 40-30. Uh, this is a backhand down the line off a second serve by Djokovic. And Nadal doesn't get it back. Now, uh, on the deuce point, Nadal makes a first serve. Djokovic uh, sort of blocks it back. Nadal steps in and hits an approach shot. Novak guesses right. Pass down the line, backhand pass down the line. One of the better shots in the match. But that's not my point right now, so I'm not taking a screenshot. Then, set point, add out, Nadal double faults. Why did he double fault, folks? Because of this, and because of this, and because of this. And if you're listening on audio, I am showing every single time in this game that Djokovic absolutely demolished Nadal's second serve. There's a simple reality in the match at this point. When Djokovic hits a second serve, the point is played at neutral. When Nadal hits the second serve, Nadal actually has to defend on the next ball. There's a stark difference here in the second set. So Djokovic played a fair bit better in the second set. And then beginning of the third set, Novak is really feeling it. He's high-strung emotionally. He's reacting after every point. He senses this is the time to pull away. And Nadal's box begins to look very concerned, very frustrated. If you look at Uncle Tony, he, he's pained. He hates the way this match is being played. He sees that Djokovic is dictating. The only positive at this point for Nadal early in the third set is that he was calm. Not cracking, not panicking, not making a bunch of errors. Calm. Sticking with his game. Problem. Looking for a solution. But every Nadal service game is difficult. And Djokovic's service games are, are, uh, are easy. 1-2, 30 30-40. Djokovic grinds and defends. And eventually Nadal makes a forehand error. There's the break. 1-3. Djokovic holds at love. 4-1. It's like a runaway train now. Um, Nadal saves break points at 1-4. 
Um, and then at 5-2 with Nadal serving, Djokovic breaks at love. Eight straight points for Djokovic. The set set point, you'll see it in any highlight video you watch of this match. Djokovic is on the dead run and he just cracks a frozen rope winner down the line. One of the one of the nicer shots of the match for, uh, from Djokovic. He is, uh, for all the reasons I mentioned, again, taking the ball earlier, hitting deeper, changing direction more, getting every first serve back in play. The first serve is not working anymore for Nadal. Not only getting the second serve returns back in play, dictating off the second serve return. Um, for all these reasons, it's just it's just all Djokovic. So now it's the fourth set, and I want to be very clear about something. 95 to 98% of players would have quit. That's the truth. That's how well Djokovic was playing. If Djokovic plays as well as he did against 95, 98% of players, the other player quits. They go away. That's the match. They give up. They're demoralized. The way how well Djokovic played in the second and third set, they'd be demoralized. They'd be done. And they would quit. And I really, truly believe that. Um, and Nadal doesn't. In the fourth set, he is literally yelling vamos every point he wins in Djokovic's opening service game. Djokovic holds. And Nadal made some forehand errors overhitting, but he didn't get pushed around. He problem solved. He understood what was happening. And he he knows in the second and the third set, he just needed he just needs to change the pattern. And if he's gonna go down, he's gonna go down swinging. Um, in fact, a year later at the French Open, he does this against Djokovic um, in in the French Open in the fifth set, where Djokovic is playing well, and Nadal goes, you know what? If I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down swinging, and he tries to destroy every ball. That's a story for another time. I can't find that match online, by the way. I would want to review it, but I can't find it online. Quick aside, because I didn't get to this before I uh, continue with the fourth set. Here's a quick commercial break. Um, not actually. It's not a commercial. Um, one of the I told you one of the things that Nadal has improved since 2012 is his backhand slice. The other is his first shot after the serve. I thought that when Djokovic made a good return on the first serve, Nadal was pretty poor replying to it. And I thought that his technique has gotten better after his serve, where I think he's I think he's reacting quicker, getting ready quicker, because a fair bit of this happened. I'm showing it on YouTube where Djokovic would would hit this deep return and Nadal would be awkward off the first ball. He'd be off balance. He'd be trying to fight it off. I mean, look at that finish here. I mean, that's all you got to see is the finish to see how awkward Nadal feels sometimes. Um, it's just one area where I think that Nadal got a lot better, which is after you hit the first serve, set up for the next ball with uh, as quickly as possible because sometimes it's going to come back really fast. Thought Nadal was a little slow here, and I think that's a technical thing. That's something that I think Carlos Moya worked on him uh, on the practice courts. Back to the fourth set. 
Nadal starts hitting his backhand bigger in this in the beginning of the fourth set, and because he's hitting his backhand bigger, he's getting forehands to rip. Uh, best hold from a long time by Nadal at uh, Love One. Really strong hold where Djokovic wasn't pushing him around, and he's hitting good forehands from good court position. Nadal was getting way too far back in sets number two and three. And now the crowd is behind Nadal, and Rafa's bringing a lot of energy. He's playing returns earlier, he's hitting forehands down the line, and um, the, the quality picks up here from Nadal. At 2-3, 30-all, Nadal uses his legs to find an inside-out forehand. Great footwork. Um, which I marked down. And this is what he has. This is what Nadal has to work with. Um, is this shot right here. Novak has every shot in the book. Maybe over Nadal. But he does not have the big forehand. Nadal hits his forehand bigger. So this is what Rafa needs to do. He needs to take every opportunity in this match to use his legs to find a forehand and to hit it massive inside out. And he starts doing that in the fourth set a lot better. Because Djokovic, again, he's got a lot going for him. It's still an X's and O's nightmare, which I've I've gone over here. 3-4, um, Nadal digs himself out of trouble. And this is worth taking a second. Because it's 3-4, 15, uh, it's 3-4, love 40. At this point, it looks like Djokovic is definitely going to break serve, and he's five points away from winning this match in four sets. Again, 3-4, Djokovic up two sets to one. Love 40, backhand slice down the line, back-to-back inside-out forehands. The second one is a winner. 15-40, service winner. 30-40, Nadal neutralizes... Um, he hits a neutralizing backhand down the line. And Djokovic was positive he was going cross-court. And it just wrong-footed Djokovic. And it was actually a winner. At deuce, Nadal hits an ace. And add in, Nadal hits a service winner. The serve comes through. It would not have happened in 2011. It, but all the work that Nadal put in in the summer, it came through in this game. The serve came through. Lawnmower celebration from Nadal. After that hold. Huge energy from the crowd. Um, and Djokovic at this point was down to 5 for 16 on break points. He was really outplaying Nadal here. But Rafa was just hanging in there by a thread. A lot of heart. A lot of determination. A lot of running. A lot of defense. Um, but after... Nadal um, misses that up, or, or after Nadal saves those break points and Djokovic misses that opportunity, there's a rain delay. And I see something different after the rain delay. There's something after the rain delay I did not see before the rain delay. And that is if Nadal grinds and defends for enough balls, the error would come from Djokovic. I mean, Nadal is used to doing this to plenty of opponents. Not that he's like this defensive player or anything, but 
normally Nadal is, at this point in his career, was so fast around the court and his defensive skills were so exceptional that he would make the, your he would make his opponent win the point four or five times. And by the second time or the third time or the fourth time, he'd get an error. Djokovic was playing so well, second set, third set, most of the fourth set, the error wasn't coming. It was futile. Nadal needed to create some offense. But after the rain delay, the errors were coming from Djokovic. Not like Djokovic was playing sloppy, but Nadal, don't get me wrong here, he's him and Novak and Murray, they're the best defend they're the best defenders on tour. So it's not that Djokovic was playing loose or or you know spraying the ball. It's just that Nadal's defense was paying dividends is really all I'm trying to say here. So this fourth set goes to a tiebreak. Like so many great like so many great matches, best of 5, the fourth set goes to a tiebreak. Um and I guess let's start at 3 all. Djokovic hits a strong return and an inside-out forehand by Djokovic draws the error. That's a mini-break. At 4-3, Nadal is defending while Djokovic unloads forehands and Djokovic finishes a winner in Nadal's backhand corner. Um, Oh, you know what? I I actually meant to start at 2-all. Um... At two all, wait, yeah. At um, at two all, Nadal makes a forehand unforced error. It's the first unforced error in a while. And then forehand hits the tape at three two. Okay, three two. He's serving. He loses his mini break. This is an important point in the tie break because from this point on, Nadal does not dictate a single point for the rest of the tie break. Not a single point. He gets a service winner at 5-all. Again, Nadal's serve kind of comes back in the clutch and helps him. But every single point from 3-2 in this tiebreak, Nadal is defending. And again, with pure determination and effort and athleticism and defense, Nadal wins this fourth set tiebreak. At 4-5, it's a great defensive slice, low middle. Djokovic nets the approach forehand. At 5-6, Nadal defends forehand cross court. Djokovic pulls a forehand inside in wide. You can go back and watch the highlights. Countless points in this fourth set tiebreak were all about Nadal's defense. Um, Now we go to the fifth set. And at this point on, I'll just take a little pause and, and say... This match was basically defined by Nadal hanging on by a thread. Although Djokovic, as soon as Djokovic wasn't scratchy in the first set, as soon as his level wasn't scratchy, he was getting the better of the play. Heart, determination, Nadal was able to hang around and tough out the fourth set. But in the fifth set, something very, very interesting happens. And it's really, it's exactly why Nadal fought so hard every single point up to this point. Because Nadal trusted his fitness and knew that if he hung around long enough, remember, Djokovic, 
coming off the four-hour, 50-minute semifinal against Murray with only one day rest, Nadal probably thought that he could last longer than Djokovic. And what do you know? At 1-2, um, Love 15? Where is it? No, no, it's actually at Love All. No, that's impossible because I'm looking at the scorebook. Okay, I think it's at Love 15. At 1-2, Love 15, Djokovic's legs give out. They give out. And if you were watching it, it was the first time you saw it all match. And you went, aha, there it is. Jelly legs. Because everyone knows what, what jelly legs looks like. And I'll show you right now. Djokovic running forehand. Okay. Look how narrow his base is. Right? If, if Djokovic has his, uh, has his legs from under him, he's going to have a wider base and he's going to have some support on the outside of his weight distribution. But really what's going to happen is Djokovic's legs are going to slide out from under him. So look at the finish. That's where you can really see where he's off balance, where Djokovic just has no legs on the running forehand. You see this motion right here? I'll go back and forth. That's not what it's supposed to look like from Djokovic. So suddenly, Novak has lost his legs early in the fifth set. And it's like, oh my God. Nadal has this. And I remember watching this live. I thought, oh, N Nadal's going to win. He did it. He hung around long enough for Djokovic to get tired, to lose his legs. And now Nadal is going to get rewarded for his unbelievable effort and his unbelievable fitness. And I, th I think he's in the driver's seat here. N Novak's movement looked stiff from that point on for a little bit. And uh, Nadal just looked fresh as a daisy somehow. At 2-3, Nadal breaks in the fifth set. Two unforced errors by Djokovic for 30-all. Then at 30-all, Nadal digs in, defends, defends, and Djokovic misses an inside-out forehand. That's, a, that's an important point. Do I have that point? Let's see. Yes, I do. I have that point. Watch, watch Nadal defend here. All of these screen grabs are just Nadal, con Nadal contact points. One, two, three. That one's a neutral ball. He's not really on the run. Back on the run on the forehand side, four. Back on the run, five. Defensive slice backhand. Another defensive slice backhand, six. And this time, Djokovic misses the inside out forehand. Break point for Nadal, and he gets it. Good counter forehand down the line. And Djokovic mishits a running cross-court forehand. Uh, Nadal has the break. Um, now, got to give credit to Djokovic. He gives this one last push here at... Um, what did I miss here? Oh, sorry. See, so yeah, sometimes I get sometimes I get mixed up when I'm when I'm reading my notes. Um, not a very strong game by by Djokovic afterward, but by uh, by Novak, rather. So Novak that break at two three, it wasn't a good game by Novak, but it was incredible that Nadal was still moving and running as well as he was. And another big difference here, 
when Nadal hits a big first serve, it's not coming back anymore. It, it doesn't come back anymore. A fair bit of spring is required from Djokovic's legs to return first serves as well as he normally does, and that isn't happening anymore. So Nadal is rewarded for big first serves. At 4-2, um, Djokovic breaks back. 30-15 is a point that all Nadal fans are familiar with. Um, because right now Nadal, again, he's got a lead in this game. And I want to, and I'm showing you this volley from Djokovic. See how he's like straight-legged, you know, spread out. He's kind of lunging, but it's like a straight-legged lunge. He had no legs. He didn't get down for this volley. Pops it up. Nadal has an easy backhand open court for 40-15, and he hits it wide. All Nadal fans know this shot. That made it 30-all. Uh, Djokovic hammers a couple of cross-court backhands, forces the air from Nadal, and then at 30-40, huge return by Djokovic. The half volley on the forehand goes long from Nadal. Another beautiful return by Djokovic right on the baseline, and Nadal can't handle it. That's what we talked about. Um, and as soon as Novak gets the break back, he snaps back into it physically. Um, you know, they have a marathon rally at 3-4. This is where this match becomes mind-blowingly incredible. And it's just like, it, it's the most impressive thing I've ever seen on a tennis court. What these two do from this point on, from 3-4 on. Um, but Djokovic is embracing the grind here. He's suffering immensely now, physically. But he's kissing, you know, he... At one point, he takes his cross out. He kisses his cross. He's literally praying to the to the to the man above to give him the strength to get through the finish line and to to figure out a way. For all love, all is the most torturous rally, one of the most torturous rallies I've ever seen, and I start bursting out into laughter. I just don't understand how these guys are doing it. It's the but it's also the most explosively I've seen Nadal move in the entire fifth set. Nadal is serving at 4-all, and Djokovic knows he's going to make a push here. Physically, he's ready to make a push. But Djokovic loses the point, and he he's down. He's like a starfish back against the court, can't even hold himself up. That's how great a rally it was. And Nadal is barely breathing heavy. It's a little bit, but Djokovic is sucking wind, mouth wide open, and and Nadal looks fine. It was unbelievable, Nadal's fitness in, in this match. Um, and Nadal does have to save a break point at 4-all. He hits a service winner. Djokovic digging in, doing a lot of running in that game, and Nadal still holds. So I thought it would be a dangerous game at 4-5 for Djokovic. But Novak has the ability, when he doesn't quite have his legs to still hold serve without, without having to do too much moving. Um, you know, and that's that's the benefit. He serves a little bit bigger than Nadal, and at this point in time, his first strike tennis was actually better. I don't know if that's true anymore, by the way, but in, two, in 2012, it was. Um, at 5-all, Nadal serving. Again, he's back to playing this utterly absurd defense. But eventually, 
Djokovic um, finds finds some space down the line, hits a forehand winner, or excuse me, it wasn't a winner. He drew the error. 30-40, Djokovic's feet get stuck on the second serve return, and Nadal hits a hits it into the open court, wins the point. But at deuce, Nadal doesn't make Djokovic work too hard to a fault. At deuce, Nadal misses a forehand down the line, unforced error. Something actually distracted Nadal before he hit this shot. Some someone called out um, on the shot previous, and then on add out, Nadal misses a tight backhand slice. That's the break. Six five, Djokovic serving for the match. This game again, it, it's it's a really it's a really unbelievable game. Um, at thirty fifteen, Nadal. Again, defends, defends, defends. He's still running. I don't know how. And he he pops up a defensive slice lob on the backhand side, and we get a Joko smash. Joko smash. I don't even know how to pronounce it. I always see it written on Twitter. Uh, he misses an overhead. Djokovic does. 30 all. And then again, the next point, Nadal running corner to corner. And he... And then eventually Nadal takes the offense, hits a backhand down the line, forces an error, and it's break point. I can't believe it. Djokovic can't believe it. He's basically crying, Djokovic. He's basically crying, saying, please, please, I can't get broken here. My legs can't take it. He is literally, you can go back and watch. I'm, I'm not joking. He is literally praying after every point here. He is praying after every point. Um, now, Nadal, uh, Djokovic hits a backhand cross-court on the rise, forces an error. At deuce, Nadal hits the tape on a backhand cross-court, and the ball goes wide. Unlucky break here, Game of Inches hits the tape, and, uh, who knows if that backhand found the court. Then, uh, um, on add-in, Djokovic hits a really good serve. Uh, Nadal doesn't do enough, blocks the backhand return back, and Djokovic hits a forehand winner into the ad court, falls to his back, and that is it. That is the match. So, you know, it was uh, an unbelievable effort from Djokovic in the fifth set because he had lost his legs, and Nadal still had his legs, and somehow he came up with enough shots, because Nadal's fitness was better, better in this match, no doubt about it. It's one of the only things that Nadal was better in this match, but it almost won him the match, his fitness, his heart, his grit, uh, because Nadal wanted this so, so bad. He fought so hard, and again, most players would have lost this match easily. Four sets. I'm telling you, not even close in the fourth. They would have given up. Most players would have given up after the third set. And Nadal hung in there, um, really played incredible defense in this match, and, and nearly won it because of it. Djokovic found enough. It's still, if you ask me, Gil, what changed? What looked different about Nadal Djokovic in 2012 compared to Nadal Djokovic later on? Man, I got to tell you, it's not as different as, as I thought it would be. It's really more of the same. But Nadal is in a worse position now 
than he was at this point in time because he can't defend as much. He's also better at playing offensively and better at playing aggressive. But at the end of the day, I still see this as an uphill battle for Nadal in terms of matchup. Just like Federer, except for 2017, it's an uphill battle against Nadal. Uh, this was really incredible. Both men, I mean, showing, you know, showing why they're both um, unbelievable champions. And it was a pleasure to watch. So... I hope uh, that was kind of the experience of somewhat what it would be like if there was a Monday match analysis back in 2012 and I was breaking down this match. That's kind of my, uh, that's my breakdown set by set. Um, and uh, I will continue to do these. I'm looking to get some exciting guests as well. So I'll, I'll mix it up. I'll do both. And soon I will go to the community tab and ask you guys, which match you want to see next. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcast. Yes.